Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. So we start with a random question. Alice, do you prefer to drive or be driven? That's not a euphemism. In a car, do you prefer to be the driver or be driven? Oh, in a car. Okay. Uh, You know what? I do enjoy driving. Um, I started driving quite late. I didn't learn until I was 25. And I suppose it kind of gave you a real sense of independence and freedom then because I was 25 years old. Like, I should have learned to drive by now. So I really, I've always really enjoyed it. But the odd time that I am a passenger, I do find that very relaxing as well. And it does, you know, if you imagine yourself being chauffeured around and that you're quite fancy and that maybe, you know, you're quite well off or whatever. (laughs) But which one would I prefer? I I think I prefer to drive. You're in control. You know where you're going. You can ignore everyone else. What about you? Um, I'm the same. And the same, I prefer to drive. Um, I'm not, it's not that I'm not a bad passenger or anything like that. I just <laughs> prefer to drive. I quite enjoy driving, apart from obviously when I don't like being stuck in traffic and all the stuff that comes with driving, but quite a lot of the time I, I like to drive. Um, I, I, it took me a long time to pass my driving test. Oh, I was, really? I, yeah, I was 18, but it did take me four goes. Four goes? Yeah, Ooh. to pass my driving <laughs> test because don't get me wrong, right? The first two. Yeah. I definitely should have failed. I was no ready to take the test. Oh, what happened? Did something really... Um, first one, I cocked up on a junction and like... I can't remember. It was a set of lights into oncoming traffic and it did... Oh, it God. Did, it wasn't like massively dangerous. It didn't like stop the <laughs> test or anything. Second one, it was just a collection of miners that built up. Mm. The third one, I can't even remember what it was, but I just remember thinking the guy was being a bit of an asshole about it. Oh, and not really? in like a, like even my driving instructor went, what? Like, he finally wanted rid of me. The yeah. driving instructor. But <laughs> yeah, he's like, gotta keep test. teaching this guy. And then, yeah, fourth, fourth go round, I, I passed and like, felt like the angel started singing when he told me he passed. So yeah, I think because of all that effort, perhaps yeah. I prefer, <laughs> perhaps I prefer to drive, but also I do quite enjoy driving. It's a bit of a treat, isn't it? 
So this week's film is Natural Born Killers, which was 1994, I think. Uh, so spoiler warnings for that if you've not seen it. Um, Alice, you chose this one. So give us a little background on it. What's it about? Who's in it? And then why did you pick it? Okay, so the film is about Mickey and Mallory. Mickey is a troubled young butcher who stumbles across Mallory in her very, very miserable life. And he sort of whisks her away on an adventure of violence and debauchery. And we sort of see that unfolding on the screen. It's got Woody Harrelson as our main man, Mickey, and Juliette Lewis as Mallory. And we get some appearances. We've got Robert Downey Jr. We've got uh, Tommy Lee... Jones, yeah. I was Tommy going to say Lee Tommy Jones. Lee Co- Cooper then. I yeah, was like, no. who's that? <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones, come on. <laughs> um, and yeah, and it all ends, well, I suppose it it's a happily ever after for our main characters, In really. a way. Yeah. <laughs> In a way, I suppose. <laughs> so um, why, why why did you pick this? Why, why did you pick it? I picked this one, I think, more of as more as an unseen. So most people I speak to haven't seen it. Like, mm-hmm. if I ask them if they've seen it, it's usually no. Um, in terms of underrated, I'm not so sure. I've managed to avoid that, so you can surprise me with that at the end. Uh, absolutely, we'll come on to that. And it was one, when I saw it for the very first time, would have been, I think, maybe 2010, 2011. Uh, it just, it had a real impact, and I kind of wanted to see if it still had that impact, and it definitely did. So I, funny you should say that, I haven't, I hadn't seen this. Um, I actually had it on DVD, as you can see, because it's by the telly. Oh, there he is, Woody. Yeah. Um, And, but I've had this in my DVD collection for many years and never got around. So it's one of those, like, I've bought it probably in some sort of offer. Thought, I've always wanted to see that and never got around to watching it. So I was kind of, I was really interested to sit down and and watch it because going into it, as someone who hadn't seen it, I was, I knew a lot in terms of knew the the basic premise, the cast, the director, um, and I was kind of going in expecting a kind of, um, I suppose ultra violent, modern modern take on um, Bonnie and Clyde, mm-hmm. um, which I think it's fair to say is what I got. Um, so watching it again, what did you think? I just thought it was exquisite. I the, when I came away from it the very first time I saw it because I used to want to I wanted to be a filmmaker back in the day, and that was the first film that I ever saw that made me think, "Oh my god, I want to make films." It was it's just such an assault on all the senses, and it's relentless all the way through. Um, but I'm really interested to know what you felt coming away from it because I didn't know you hadn't seen it. That's interesting. Um, overall, I really enjoyed it. I think. I have that exact phrase written down here, which you just said, which is an, it's, a, it's an assault on the senses. It really is. It, it makes you it feel like you're being kind of battered by the film, like emotionally and visually, I suppose is the best way to say it. I like the, the overall aesthetic of it. I like, I like how it looks and I like how kind of visceral the violence is, how kinetic it is. Um, the way I think what I do like about it is how, they, how it is so stylized and they use that stylization to not soften the message of the film, which is what you might think it would do, but actually heighten the message of the film. So if you've not seen the film, there's like elements of it that are um, very, very stylized, very kind of out there and weird and wacky. So I went into it wondering what angle were they going to play this and what it actually was. I think what it is ultimately is a satire on the way that 
the media treats people who engage in horrendous crimes. It is so colourful and quick. And the cuts, I was reading, I think, before we started recording, that the average film has so many cuts, and this is something like, it's something outrageous, like 10 times more or, or seven or eight times more. And it really shows, like, there, there are times when you feel like you're in a bizarre dream or a nightmare, which is, I think, on purpose. Um, so I really like that. Um, I loved, I actually was, I really loved the cast. Because Juliette Lewis has obviously been in, she was in Dust Till Dawn. I've not seen her in much else. I've only really seen her in bit parts in more modern films, more comedic roles. And I know she's a rock star as well, but she's so young in this. Mm -hmm. And for me, I thought she was the probably the standout performer. Woody Harrelson's good. And I think Woody Harrelson is, is, is pretty much always good, even in bad stuff, um, with exception to the end of Venom when he's horrendous. Oh, you're not a fan, eh? <laughs> It's just mental. Anyway, he, I think he's really good. But she, I think, she was a standout. Robert Downey Jr. in a kind of pre-prison, pre-sobriety, drug-fueled haze. I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to say because the stylization is such that everyone is performing these... Everyone's turned it up to 11. So all the cast are kind of like doing this Kafka-esque nightmarish style performance where they're snarling and shouting and their eyes are popping out their heads. So I can turn around, so pre-surprising Robert Downey Jr., but it's, it's a directed piece of film. He's clearly doing that on purpose because as is Tommy Lee Jones, as is Tom Sizemore, all the other characters in it. So I thought the cast was brilliant. I've never... It's funny, I was, I was watching Tommy Lee Jones' performance and thinking, where have I... I've not really seen him like this before like normally he plays such stoic kind of almost military style men or you've got like men in black and he's all very very much like you know what you get with Tommy Lee Jones I was like no I've definitely seen him something where he's like this animated I realized it was Batman Forever oh, it's like the only oh, it's like it's like the it's only other faced, time yeah? yeah it was when he's two-faced yeah. it's like the only other time that he's like cackling and like doing these, these this huge animated performance um um, so we'll come on to the other stuff that I quite enjoyed. I'm interested to know, what did you think of the performances, having watched it again? Oh, exquisite, brilliant. Uh, Juliette Lewis is phenomenal. And then I wrote immediately underneath that, all the performances are outstanding. Like you say with Tommy Lee Jones, he just embodies rage completely. He's not he's even in so... it that much. No. He's probably but, in it for about he's... 20 minutes, 30 yeah, minutes Yeah, just near overall. the end there. Yeah. But he blasts on. He's just, as soon as he enters the screen, he's just like, pow, I'm here. And he's just furious the whole time and like getting up in people's faces and like screaming at everybody they they're all very wild all the characters are so wild and they're so intense in their own ways whether it's like full of rage or just incredibly violent or you know drugged off their face everyone is so intensely affected by the demons that they have because obviously it's such a big part of the narrative is these demons and woody how uh, mickey sorry is trying to outrun these demons um, but yeah, brilliant. Or but yeah, Juliette Lewis, fantastic. So young. She's, I think she's about twenty-one. Is she really? Like, yeah. She looks very young as well, yeah. which really adds to the impact of the story and the her obviously storyline of being horrifically abused by a dad and her mum just sort of stands by and watches. It's just all and maybe being her brother's mum. Uh, yes, yeah, that's hinted certainly at. hinted at. Yeah. It's, it, it would have been very easy when making this film, it's a, a difficult line to toe in terms of making it too much and making it impactful. And I do think it walks that line really well. What do you think of stuff like 
the more practical elements of like how it looks. And I don't mean we talked about the camera, we talked about the cuts. What, what did you think about the music, the costumes, that sort of thing? Music was fantastic. It was all they were all songs like I was trying to pick up on if I recognised the songs or if I knew the songs as it went. And I think maybe there was one or two in there, but they were otherwise just kind of generic songs that were quite, that just really embodied like the feel of the film very well. Not generic, I don't think that's the, the fair term no, to I use, think, but think... ones that I just, I hadn't heard but were very kind of specific to their genre. Then that's what you mean, not generic, it's the genre, it's the mm. kind of bluegrass twanging guitars and mm. the con- almost like slow country music style. Obviously, it's set in the in the. Well, it doesn't. Does it ever actually say where it's set? Mm. I think it's meant to be the kind of Bible Belt America. Yeah, it's really like a really forgotten about sort of just left to rock kind of place. And yeah, that's sort of yeah. why these things are happening to these people. Um. So the music's great. Costumes as well, because there's a lot of costume changes for like for kind of for Mickey and Mallory. Because I think what it kind of what it kind of does is it treats them in 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 its role as a satire. It treats them as superstars so in the way that you might see a pop star go from rags to riches they treat them in that way because they're murderers mm. and that's why it's a satire so it starts and they're in like really scruffy clothes oh well mickey when he's introduced and he's covered in blood just, and wearing yeah, his butcher's whites oh yeah. my goodness what way to introduce a character and obviously because of the backdrop of the sitcom he's introduced as the hero like he slams through the front door and it's like woo from the audience and he's the knight in shining armor here to rescue her but he's just as fucked up as she is and he's not about to take her on some fairy tale or maybe he is if you want to look at it that way but also what the real the real genius of that scene as well the sitcom scene is is that the impact of that scene is based in who is in it mm-hmm. so they use the they use a 50 sitcom aesthetic like an isle of lucy style sitcom where you know the dad's giving the wife stick and the mum is treating the dad like he's a lazy bum and all that and there's a laugh track and all the dialogue is set up like set set up punchline laugh set up set set up punchline laugh and um they cast Rodney Dangerfield as her dad. And Rodney Dangerfield is like one of the biggest comedians in America's history. And then also Woody Harrelson got his start in Cheers. Of course. So yeah. it's almost using the baggage that those two actors come with against you to have that impact. So you know Woody Harrelson was in Cheers. Your brain kind of goes, well, this isn't right because he's also sexually abusing his daughter and he's covered in blood. I remember kind of, again, reading about it and the director perhaps saying that Rodney Dangerfield didn't actually really know what was going on. Okay. Oh, he was kind of he kind of he was given lines and just told to be a disgusting dad, mm. but kind of not sure he entirely got the concept and was yeah. kind of just going told to go and do his thing. I don't know, but it it's peppered throughout with these really darkly comic moments. There's bits where you laugh and you're like, you shouldn't really be laughing at that because it's so dark. And I do think that's stuff like that, little little doses of that in a film, are what gives it its impact i suppose is the word they really help with the satire of it that's how you know it's a satire it's not just overwhelmingly bleak Mm. i think something that i did really like about it as well which leads on from the message of the film is that it's really thought-provoking it's a film i would i can imagine seeing in the cinema and coming away and whether you like it or don't like it it's definitely trying to say something so you go away and have a think of what it is trying to say and you kind of can talk to people like we are now. What do you think it's trying to say, I suppose? Hmm. I mean, a few things about the human condition, certainly. I think, uh, obviously, 
Mickey keeps going on about these demons and you get these very striking visuals of, of demons and then Mickey has a demon and he's all lit up in green and then red. And the obviously the notion of celebrity comes into it and the way that obviously the film views the media as vultures. So Robert Downey Jr.'s character, he's, he's like depicted as this scum of the earth because he's just like doing anything for the story. And the way that you sort of get those interviews from people from across the world going, we love Mickey and Mallory from like loads of different countries and that. So I think that's kind of showing how when you when you make someone famous or you put that kind of celebrity on someone, are you doing it for the right reasons? And is the is making them a celebrity and making people obsessed with them more important than the reality of it, which is that they are two incredibly violent, incredibly dangerous people who are causing havoc for anybody who comes into contact with them. Like Mickey's insanity is palpable and it spills over from him into other people. Everyone he's around gets infected by this madness that's got him. And I think it's... So it's a lot to do with kind of showing you... I think it actually maybe I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it makes you sympathize with them in some ways, even though they're these hardened criminals and are, for all accounts insane. You do sympathize with them because you get to know them, because you get to know what they've been through, like this abuse and these horrendous childhoods that they've had to live with. So I think he's I assume Oliver Stone is making a comment commentary on those things. I think you're right. I think. What I read is what you said was ultimately whatever anyone says about it, his intention was that it was a satire on the media's treatment of mass murderers and murderers and criminals, basically. And I think there are elements where it it strays into glorification, but I think ultimately it does it does do that. It is a satire on like the way they treat these two mass murdering um, like you say, like really dangerous criminals, like they're kind of like one direction or or um like one of the K-pop bands or something, yeah. the way they, they, they create this um, hysteria, I suppose is the word, and the way that they affect people in terms of like that. So some people are talking about them as celebrities. All it takes is for them to kind of be in the prison and all the other inmates are going crazy because just because they're there. Uh, and like you say, the way people like Robert Downey Jr.'s character feed off them like, like vultures around them trying to trying to parasitically eat some of the fame, I suppose, mm-hmm. and make and make a name for themselves. But then he gets shot at the end. So he gets you know, shot. Wraps it up nicely. Yeah, not, not, <laughs> yeah, not just once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to pieces. Yeah, Does absolutely. he lose part of his ear, I think? <laughs> what, one thing I do think I did notice um, is it's clear to see some of the influence the film must have had. Like on other films, I mean, I don't mean... We'll come on to the question that inevitably will come up about copycats, but... I think it really reminded me of like, have you seen Bronson? Yes. Yeah, Bronson, Requiem for a Dream. Those, yes. are, those are the two that was like, it's a film that is designed to both be thought-provoking, but also in taking you on this emotional journey, almost not not mimic their feelings, but certainly wind you up. And it did, it did that. In fact, probably not since Requiem for a Dream have I finished a film, I've been a bit like, a, a bit wound up because it's such an assault on the senses. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like it's every cut, every note, every piece of dialogue. It's it's it is oh, the whole thing is just such a frenzy. But as you know, the media makes frenzies of everything, and it's just it's just kind of mirroring that. So obviously, as you can probably tell from the title, the film is very violent. What did you think of the way the film treats violence? Like at any point, did you find it to be almost numbingly? 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Overwhelming, too much violence, or did it continually keep its impact for you? I didn't feel like it was too much for me. I did. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the way it was put together. Sometimes it was just really nicely choreographed in the opening scene, I think, when they go into that diner and they just start tearing the shit up everyone. It's such a great introduction to the characters, actually, because they start kind of... They're just sort of messing about with these guys. So these guys, these like three men or whatever, start trying to hit on Mallory and she's doing like this slow, sexy dance to kind of wind them up. And she sort of punches one and then like maybe kicks another one in the nuts. But then Mickey gets out his gun and then I think there's a knife and they, she just starts like wailing on these guys, like probably beating the shit out of him. And it's like, ah, okay, they're that kind of criminal. This is just like some fun time punches in the diner. And then from there, it's just the, just such a wonderful array of different violent techniques. Like when they kill <laughs> Mallory's dad and then they kill the mum and then they go on the rampage and they're in the, um, when they get, when they're in the, when they're in the pharmacy getting the medicine and then the police come out and they're like trying to fight mm. the police off and Mickey's like out there with one gun outnumbered by like 50 police officers or whatever. And then Jack Scagnetti starts just beating his face bloody. Um, I really enjoyed the violence. I think it was, it's just so stylish. And yes, a it's lot the stylization of it, of it, isn't it? And a lot of it you do feel, because a lot of the violence happens to very bad people. Like we're introduced to all these characters and none of them are particularly nice. Everyone's full of, you know, full of hate and, and anger. And when they kill... So the first casualty is Mallory's dad. 
And when they kill him, it is satisfying because mm. he's a fucking creep. Yeah, he's like awful, he's horrible. Yeah. He's literally the most one of the most horrific, but like a brilliant like depiction of of you know what I assume an abusive father is. But yeah, just like grotesque and horrible. And then they burn the mum alive on the bed, and that's also really yeah, satisfying. That was, that was horrible. Oh that yeah, was horrible, fun. horrible, <laughs> yeah, grim. Yeah. We don't <laughs> condone setting your mothers alive. No, never. Not on all. fire alive. Um, <laughs> But then, in a wonderful kind of counterpoint to that, when they accidentally kill the Native American mm. who's helping them, they're horrified. Like, Mallory's like, bad, 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 bad. Like, really having a go at, um, at Mickey. I keep going to call him Woody. His name is <laughs> Mickey. Um, and they feel really guilty about that. And that's the first time you see them feeling guilty in this whole film. So you kind of get a speck of them as humans, it's like, oh, no, they are still people. They do still have feelings, despite them being on this rampage. Not that you, you know, don't sympathise with the crazy murderers. I know what you mean. It's that you, can't, you, you can't go so far as to say they don't, they only kill bad people because they don't. They kill, like, store attendants and waitresses and stuff. And, Anyone who's in their way. Uh, who, who they shouldn't kill, but there are times when, like you say, they, they kill people by accident. It's an interesting moment because it is, it's one that is completely away from the kind of frenzy and from the celebrity notion of it. And there's no one else around, and it's like... They They've gone to this, or they've ended up in this place. I think that they're hurt by this point. And the Native American sort of comes out and he tries to sort of calm them and kind of help them. Like he says that she has the sad sickness and that like he is a demon and that she should be saved from him and all this. But then because Mickey, like he's having a real bad dream where he's kind of hallucinating and he's like, I don't know what's real and what's not. And then accidentally fires his gun. And they're just, they are, they're horrified at that. And I think that was quite... Maybe that's quite an interesting it. moment in amongst all the carnage. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's when they try it, when they mean to kill people and when they accidentally kill people. It's not a case of whether they did or did not deserve it. It's mm. a case of their intentions, maybe. But then alongside this intense backdrop of violence, you have these really intimate and like romantic moments between Mickey and Mallory. There are some scenes where there's like quite romantic music playing or they're like having pillow talk with each other or they'll sort of start kissing and dancing in the middle of like a scene of absolute horror. And that's really interesting as well. And I don't know if that's... I mean, I'm sure it is trying to say something, but it is just so... It's quite satisfying, I find, to get that ju juxtaposition. It's like when you watch one of those nature shows, like Planet Earth or whatever, and they've got this massive orchestral like sound going on in the background. It's such a... It's the complete opposite to what you're looking at. Like, you're watching an ant crawl over a piece of wood, and then you've got these violins going crazy in the background. And I love that, and I think that really adds a lot to it, when you've got these two completely opposing ideas hitting you in the head at the same time. Yeah, I know what you mean. They kind of... Um, you, you believe that they love each other, and they're almost like star-crossed, tortured souls, yeah. I guess. They bind each other in the misery. Mm. So, yeah, you do you do believe that they love each other. Sort of. I mean, it's only three weeks, isn't it, that they're That's it, together yeah. until they get arrested. Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? But I'm sure they do love each I mean, obviously, that their own personal concepts of love are bound to be very fucked up because of what they've experienced as children. So, I mean, for Mallory, it was literally just anything but this, anything but my home life. I would be like, Some actual, yeah. ready to do anything. Um, not even unconditional love, some positive attention from someone. Yeah. 
Yeah, that someone who isn't related to you who finds it, you attractive. Isn't abusing, abusing That's the dream. Me. <laughs> but that he's is not, the dream. That is the dream. But he's not very nice to her really either. And I think, again, it's just really sad that her standards are obviously so low because I'm, I'm assuming her self-esteem is torn to shit because of what's happened to her. And Mickey, they kidnap some woman and he's like, what? So he and Mallory are having sex and then he starts looking at this woman who's tied mm. up in the corner and she gets furious. And that's when she fucks off and then gets head from some guy on the bonnet of a car. Um, and he kind of wants a threesome with this hostage, but then when she won't let him have one, he just kind of rakes the hostage. Yeah, yeah. Not not great people. They're not, they're not great guys, no. They're not role models. You wouldn't be friends with them. I don't think they are no. meant to be likable. <laughs> certainly, <laughs> certainly wouldn't be like going out for a drink with them. No, no, wouldn't <laughs> risk it, wouldn't risk it. So having watched it again then, was there anything you found that you either didn't like or that you perhaps had not aged well or...? I mean, not really. And I was trying to look. I was trying to see, is there anything that I'm not into, anything that I think, you know... It's hard to say anything I think that wasn't appropriate because the whole film, if you want to, you know, in its own way is inappropriate. I mean, it's a film. In my mind, it can't be inappropriate. Like, this isn't going to be taken as as truth or as, like, some gospel that you should listen to or whatever. Um, but no, I didn't. I, I loved it all. I think I made one note, I think, about something that I didn't like, and it was at the very end, the very end, when... So, so Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Wayne, right? Mm -hmm. Is it Wayne... It's Wayne, uh, Wayne Gale. Gale, called. that's yeah. what I kept going to say. Wayne Gretzky, and I'm like, no, that's, yeah, that's a different a, that's guy. A hockey, that's a hockey player. <laughs> Wayne Gale. So it ends obviously with those three, and they've like turned on Wayne, and then the last thing they say to him, and I haven't written the whole sentence down, so I can't remember the exact context. So at the very end of the film, they sort of turn to Wayne, and they're about to kill him, and they've got his camera, and I can't remember what the sentence is that leans up to it, but the last thing they say to him is, your camera, and they say it at the exact same time. And I just I just thought that it's, was a bit cheesy, and I didn't it like is, it. Yeah. It kind of put me off a bit, but literally that was it. It is like, that's a bit like, oh, we need a last line. Oh, I think it was like, um, they're the only witnesses... He says, Wayne Gale says to them, you always leave a witness. Yes, he wants to be and the only one left say, alive. we did, your camera. Your camera, and yeah, then they say it at the same yeah. time, your camera. And I was just like, this doesn't match up with anything that I've just been watching. No, it's very like, we need the last line, so just yeah. Yeah, put it in. But so if, I, one of them, if one of them had said it, I'd, it would have been fine and I probably wouldn't have picked up on anything. But, but because, because, because a, they both said it at the same time. unison. Yeah, it just felt a bit lame. There wasn't much I didn't like about it. I thought there was... There was times when it was a little style over substance. So a little bit like all about the quick cuts and how can we do this in a stylized way rather than showing us more basic plot points. So it was at times, particularly perhaps like the first 45 minutes where it was a little hard to follow and I was at, it took me a little while to get my bearings. Mm. Um, that's because it does assent your senses. So I suppose it's the other side of that coin because it's such an assault on the senses. There are times when you have to kind of settle yourself and be like, well, what's actually happening? Yeah. And I suppose to lead on from that, there is an element of the particularly ending going on a little long and the violence being a little bit too... Not that it's too violent. There's so much of it. However, the more I thought about that and the more I thought about how I went dumb to it and the more I thought about how it was a little hard to follow at times, I kind of wonder if that's the point. I think so. P particularly with the numbness to the violence, I think I yeah. think that what they're almost doing is is showing you this satire of how the media treats criminals and then 
as you become more numb to it, they're kind of saying, I don't mean to sound as wanky as holding a mirror up to society, but that they're going, you know, all these horrific things that they do. Every single person they kill has family and friends mm. and all that. And it's by the end, you just, they're just killing people willy nilly. There's just guards and bodies piling up and people like impaled on the wall and blood everywhere. I mean, you're just kind of numb to it. So I agree that with your observation completely, I don't agree that it was a, like, it wasn't a problem for me. It was part of the thrill of the film. It's like you kind of get sort of 20 minutes, 30 minutes in and you're like, okay, maybe we'll calm down now and take a back seat. But no, it's still there. Like, bam, bam, bam. Here's an image. Here's a sound. Here's like three million cuts in the space of two seconds. And it just adds to the frenzy of it. And I like it because you, it's not something that you see that often. And you come away from it just with such an intense feeling, whether it's repulsion, whether it's anger, what, like whatever it is, just just from being bombarded with all that information at once. But I really liked it about it, and it does it it does kind of signal their sort of spiral and them going insane because you feel like you're going insane with them. It's also designed, I suppose, to wind you up as well. Mm. So I know what you mean. It's so frenzied. Maybe it's just maybe it's just that the, the amount of really really quick cuts is a bit hard to follow at points. But I'd certainly. Um, I felt there was more good than bad and certainly came away like really very much thought-provoking and I loved the stylization of it. I also loved the quick cuts and the music and the way it looked. It's just that at points, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I was just being a bit slow, a bit stupid. Um, One thing I did want to pick your brains on, and I don't want to go too much into this and get too deep because neither of us are, as far as I know, qualified to talk about this. There was a lot of talk after the film and a lot of stories in the press about various supposed copycat incidents of uh, killings. I know one of them was mm -hmm. Columbine. Where do you stand on the idea that a film or piece of media like a video game can cause copycat killings or copycat behaviour? I mean, I suppose it gives the criminals something to copy, but whether or not it's the motivation for committing the act. I, I don't agree with that at all. Like, I remember the thing with the Columbine thing was as well, they started trying to blame Marilyn Manson for his music as well. Um, Judas Priest. Mm. So uh, th uh, there was a court case where they thought uh, Judas Priest were playing like demonic sort of, or sending out like these demonic dark messages if you played their music backwards and stuff. Yeah. And I feel like there's just such a weird avenue to go down is to start blaming art because that is what it is it's not there to tell you to do something to not tell you to do something it is the expression of someone who has chosen film as their canvas video games whatever it might be and it's always just a really convenient scapegoat for people who don't want to investigate the real issues that are going on the real issue issues that people become criminals which is deprivation poverty abuse all that kind of thing of course, it's yeah. just a nice way to go oh no it's these guys making the films it's this guy with his fucking camera he's the one who's doing it no i'm not i'm not into that at all obviously it's tragic and horrific any any time it happens but i think bringing bringing the arts into it is just is a bit of a joke I um, I completely agree. I'm going to say, there's nothing to say. Again, I'm not an expert. Obviously, there are elements in media, film, art, games, music that are designed to elicit responses. But I don't, I just, I don't know if any mentally healthy person could be affected in such a way by anything that they've seen in the media that would then make them think, well, this makes it okay to go and commit a crime. Mm -hmm. 
take life, act in a violent way. Mm. Completely agree with you. It's an easy way of pointing a finger and going then. But since the dawn of time or since the dawn of, you know, reasonable, logical thought, when we got past being instinctual creatures or whatever it is you believe, people have held up other things and gone, it's because of this. It's because of a religion, a book, an event that this person's happened. But like you say, the cause of it goes so much deeper and it's just really easy to blame something like this um, for that. Yep, absolutely. Agreed. Okay, so we'll move on to the critical reception then because I'm I'm really interested to get your thoughts on this. You obviously love the film. I do, I do. And you haven't seen the critical reception. So what would you say it would be... Because you, you chose this because you think it's underseen, right? Mm-hmm. So in terms of rating systems, that's not really come into it for you. Mm. So what do you think it gets roughly, you know? So if I was going to mark it, I'd be looking high eights, probably low nines, maybe, you know, maybe even mid nines. I think it's it's just a film that just had such a massive impact on me. But I don't think most other people would feel the same way. I know that a lot of people were kind of not so hot on the intense violence and the abuse and stuff. And the fact really that most people I know haven't seen it, I would suppose probably in the sevens, maybe a mid seven or a low seven. I go 7.3. You're not far off. Okay. So on IMDb, well, it's not that you're pretty much right. On IMDb, it gets a seven and seven and a half, seven point three at the time of recording out of ten. Oh. On this is where it gets interesting for me. On Rotten Tomatoes, the audience gives it eighty one percent, so you know a little bit higher than IMDb. The critics give it forty six percent. What? Yeah, which I thought was I thought that was crazy. What, what are their complaints? So and well, I, I figured you'd ask that. Sorry, I'm getting a bit. So, no, no, no. no. I, I, I agree. Forty six percent is crazy. So that's a fucking joke. I mean, <laughs> but obviously these are these are kind of twenty twenty six year old reviews from what I can see. Okay. Someone said as kind of as a satire, it was a little bit. I'm I'm paraphrasing. It's a little bit heavy footed, a little bit on the nose. One ear says the main problem with the film is that it degenerates into the very thing it criticises. So I suppose they're kind of saying there that in trying to criticise violence and the media portrayal of violent criminals, it just becomes it. Right, but how else you meant to make a film? Next. Well, no, I, I agree. I think that's... <gasps> just, I, I think, I, no, not with them, with you. <laughs> As in, I, I think it, that is completely lacking in subtlety. Uh, what's this one say? doesn't know the meaning of moderation or subtlety and ops instead for something that is excessive and self-indulgent. It's as if he wants to shout to the shout out the statement, look at what I can do, I'm an artist. Mm, I wouldn't agree with that, but go on. I think the only thing in there that I might consider there was an inch of truth in is that at times it is a little self-indulgent in terms of like back to what I was saying in terms of the stylization and the quick cuts. Having said that, I think that the moderation and the lack of it is the point. Absolutely. So I do disagree. It's not meant to be moderate. How are you meant to depict a young girl getting raped by her dad as moderate? You can't do it. Next. No, (laughs) that's it. That's all I got. That's all I got. No, no. no. (laughs) So based on those, bearing in mind the audience gives it around a high seven. Mm. What would you say in terms of underrated, underappreciated? 
it's uh, it's hard because I know I, I know I'm being biased because I just happen to really like this film, mm. and I know that that doesn't necessarily make something a good film just because I like it. Uh, but I think I would I would have I would have gone to eight. I really would have thought mm -hmm. so. I would have liked it too. Not that it matters, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's been out for 26 years or something. Yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> Maybe it'll have its second win. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I, I, I didn't like it as much as you. It's one that I would watch again, but not in a hurry. And I, only, I mean, it's quite heavy, I suppose. So mm. would you watch it again? Yeah. I mean? yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm keen to watch it again. Like soon. Really? Like yeah. straight, like you'd put it on when you got home? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Like after, just, it just reminded me, just reminded me of why I wanted to be a filmmaker. Well, that's good. Mm. For me, I didn't like it as much as you. But forty-six percent is mental. Oh, that that That's feels crazy. Harsh. I, Makes I me think, sad. I think if a lot of critics were to go back and and look at that, they might understand now, with the benefit of hindsight, that the mm. film has had a bit more of an influence. Mm. So, in terms of the critical analysis of the film and how it was received when it came out, I'd say it's underrated, mm. and it is probably underseen because I. It's, I haven't seen it, so it's not one I've asked other people if they've seen because mm. I've never had cause to. But you've obviously asked that question. Always, of, every day, yeah. everyone I meet. <laughs> so, would you agree it's another one for underrated slash underseen? Definitely underrated, definitely. So, um, there we have it. Another one for the underrated pilots. is <laughs> stacking up, isn't it? <laughs> we're picking good films, I think. We are. Underrated ones, which is the point. Oh, we're nailing it. Uh, well, it's my turn next week. Ooh. So, a little bit of a change of flavour from Natural Born Killers. I'm going to pick a film that you might have seen, you might not, called uh, Easy A. Oh, my goodness, yeah, with Emma Stone. With Emma Stone in oh, it. Oh, yeah. So, I'll say no more. That's what I'm picking. So, if you haven't seen that, Please do go away and uh, give it a watch. Um, we'd love to hear from you, from you guys, actually. You guys at home listening to this. So please do get in touch if there's any films that you'd like us to do, anything that you thought about Natural Born Killers or any other films that we, we didn't cover. Please um, do get in touch. It's filmsinthatpod at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. All of the social medias. Um, and if you could give us a little review on iTunes, that would be great as well because it helps the numbers and helps, you know, people hear about us and, and keep listening. We can keep talking about underrated films and, and all that jazz. Um, Alice, thank you very much, as ever, for joining me. Thank you very much, Josh. It's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. See you next week. Cheerio. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.